Okay, here we go. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> we have to clap. <laughs> Do we? I don't think we have to anymore. Anyway. Welcome back, everyone, to the Star Wars Historian Show here on the Gazebo Fact Network, everywhere you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. I'm your host, David Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Fournay. How's it going, Luke? That's me. That's how it's going. It's me. Hi. I listen to too much Taylor Swift with Alicia now, <laughs> so unfortunately, that's, that's a thing. But... Uh, we are here to talk finally through Tales of the Jedi, which is an episode on an anthology animated television series by Dave Filoni, written by so many amazing people. But before we get into that this morning, Luke, I woke up to some, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide if it's good news, and, and I'll explain why here in a second, but John Williams has now come out and said that Indiana Jones will not be his last film to score he has unretired to now continue uh scoring films your thoughts about about that well i don't know exactly how it works in other professions to retire and unretire out of things i imagine mm -hmm. he's probably pretty bored because that seems to be what <laughs> the, the the ailment that a lot of retired people face right uh, but you know, I can't. I can't help but think of the amount of times that Brett Favre retired and unretired, <laughs> and yes. he, he probably didn't need to unretire. At least not like unretire from specifically football. Like he can unretire right. from some other job, right? Like, like Romo did, and he stopped playing as a quarterback and became one of the best commentators out there. <laughs> Yeah, speaking um, of Tony Romo, I had a dream about him last night. Um, that's good. It, he came out of retirement. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he literally came out of retirement, uh, and we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 63-30. to 30. I love um, that. Yeah, it was it was a great – and I was – it was weird. I was like the coach, but I was also like with Alicia and her family at the same time. Nice. Like at their house. So I was like coaching, but not there. I don't know. Dreams – always work in a weird way but, but yeah my, my thoughts on on john williams uh if he wants to do it 100 percent behind him behind him doing it um i just no no i can't even comment on that it's his life he, he, he can do whatever he yeah. wants um I, i'm excited though i i hope he comes back and does more S star wars projects um well you would think if, if he doesn't if he's doing Indiana Jones and he says he's doing more than just that, like mm -hmm. surely if he, if he doesn't like solo scores for different Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. then I think he should at least like help the next generation of Star Wars. Yeah. That's, that's a good point too. And I guess, I guess I can say what I was going to say. Um, you know, I think he he's deserved retirement, like a, a well. I think that's what I was trying to say. Like, 
like um like he's earned that he's earned that rest he's earned mm-hmm. that 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 retirement but if he doesn't want to do it he can keep doing it however long he ever wants to but i like the idea of him coming even into star wars and maybe not even necessarily scoring anything but helping young uh, composers you know really kind of find their niche within the star wars mm-hmm. universe although i mean we've had some great scores other than john williams right um but just to even have his presence there again mm-hmm. would be really cool and if you haven't listened to our past episodes uh where we kind of talk about the one person we would want to meet star wars actor both luke and i we cheated a little bit because <laughs> luke chose dave filoni because he was in mandalorian and then i chose john williams because he was in the rise of skywalker <laughs> <laughs> and so um and so um but I, I obviously i'm happy for him if this is what he wants great this is this is awesome i love it and i can't wait to to hear more of more of his works because he does he does way more than just star wars he, mm-hmm. he did harry potter he did superman uh jurassic park our, our childhood he, <laughs> and, and a lot of people's childhood but. uh schindler schindler's list uh yeah, he, childhood he, he all, the way. all childhood all the way um but 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 great I'm, I'm excited but like i said we're in tales of the jedi here so luke what are your overall thoughts on tales of the jedi so this is going to be a little bit of an outlier for me because while I enjoyed the show, I, I fell into the criticism, I guess, that a lot of people have said for like different Star Wars material. Mm-hmm. And that is, I didn't really understand why this is what Tales of the Jedi was. Like mm-hmm. why these stories specifically were being told. Now, I, I'm not mad that they exist, although... Mm-hmm. In some aspects, we're we're well, we're going to talk about that, but right. uh, I mean, I enjoyed it from like a technical point of view, and I enjoyed the story and getting to see these characters again. Um, but this isn't probably going to be my top release from like the Star Wars this past year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Um, I've heard that complaint too. And I know that it has to do with Ahsoka, with with her stories, because I think the way that most people at least view Tales of the Jedi now is that, man, if, if these were what, like, the, the whole point of a, of a three-story arc that kind of tells a Jedi story over a period of time. When we've already done that with Ahsoka why would we use that spot instead of focusing on another Jedi? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I mean, we've talked about this on, on our show and our podcast. Plo Koon would have been awesome oh, yeah. to, for, to, to showcase and to highlight. Um, and I know that I'm not a huge fan of his character. And I know that he was involved in Dooku's arc, but like Mace Windu mm-hmm. would have been super cool. To kind of see something something new from him you know just 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 yeah. some other jedi that we haven't really explored yet we don't really know much about uh, it would have been great but i guess my pushback if there could be any pushback or i guess my defense for for the decision which a, a lot of people may not like but you know it's dave filoni 
yeah. who created the Ahsoka character, put her put her in Clone Wars. She was in Rebels, in The Mandalorian, in the Book of Boba Fett. She now has her own show, um, and you know she is in Tales of the Jedi, and and so I think there is to some extent Ahsoka fatigue a little bit, mm. um, but the way that I view it is that well dave created the character and maybe there's some stories still that he wanted to tell of of ahsoka and so he just said you know this is just a perfect opportunity for me to do it and especially if i just go ahead and do it off the bat i think that would be that would be great now i believe that this entire series for the most part was great I think mm-hmm. the Dooku ep- episodes were great, and we'll get into specific details about that. And I thought two of the three episodes of Ahsoka were great. Ooh, I'm curious to see which one. I, I, I don't know. I don't know which one you want. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, we'll get to it. Um, but I think what Tales of the Jedi has done, I think in a broader sense, if you if you take a step back from it, was that people are now looking at the series and I'm, I'm one of them and I'm pretty sure you are too, where I want more. Mm-hmm. Like if we can do more seasons of yeah. this and focus on two different Jedi every season, some people have also suggested of doing Tales of the Sith as well and highlighting different Sith Lords. Like you've opened up the ability to do a lot of incredible things with this and tell really nice compact stories that, that go well and i know people wanted episodes to be longer but this isn't the clone wars like no. it's clone wars animation in a shorts kind of setting but it's a little bit like it's not um forces of destiny it's a right. little bit kind it's of like beyond that yeah yeah and so but, I, I think it's that perfect little niche mm-hmm. i think it's a good length um and even amongst the different episodes there's variation in length i mean none of them are like 30 minutes long but Mm -hmm. you have some that are like 13 and you have some that are i think the other one's 18 is the top range and so you're letting the story dictate how long it goes without like trying to fill space so it's just like Mm -hmm. you have to remember just like back-to-back story that's happening here and so i i appreciate the little bite-sized bits that we're getting here i think it works out really well yeah, I, I agree. So let, let's go ahead. Let's let's get into it, and we'll we'll go through Dooku's arc first because we we can talk about the Ahsoka one secondly. But let's go ahead and start with Dooku's arc. So the first episode was in it was titled Justice, and it has it features both Qui Gon and Dooku, of course. But Liam Neeson, his son, is actually the voice of the Padawan really? in this one. That's yeah, fantastic. it's. It, it's super cool, and I like the way they do it. Um, but it, it is the scene of Qui-Gon, Dooku, going to a planet to where a, a senator's son is taken hostage, possibly by the people. You know, they, they go into this cantina. They, they learn about, yes, we, we've all done it, but it's because the senator's corrupt. He's not helping us. He, he's betrayed his people. And so, so we kidnapped him and and all this kinds of stuff. And Dooku and and, and Qui-Gon both exhibit a kind of compassion and a willingness to, to listen 
that I think it's reflective of the Jedi. And I think it's what they do. They just kind of, you know, they don't get overly emotional. They, 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 at this point, both Jedi and, and I think for the majority, the Jedi order, I don't think are at the point to where they just blindly serve the Senate. I think maybe Mm -hmm. some of them do, but at least Dooku and Qui-Gon don't. Right. And so they said, okay, we're, we're, we're investigating the situation. We're, we're going to see what's going on. We're going to see what's happening. And so they go, they, to the Senator's son where they're holding him captive. And even the Senator's son says like, man, have you seen how these people live? Mm -hmm. Like, how can my father just turn his back on them? And so the Senator does show up with his, with his army and tries to tell Dooku and Qui-Gon to back down. You serve me. And Dooku, I think very wisely and very correctly says, no, we don't serve you. We serve the people of this great Republic. Mm -hmm. And a firefight breaks out. Several people, several of the villagers are, are injured and Dooku taps in to the dark side here mm-hmm. and force chokes. The Senator is throwing his people all around while doing it. And Qui-Gon is pushed by Dooku. He, but he, he goes, Qui-Gon goes and he, he, sets the sun free and he says go save your father go save your people and that's exactly what he does mm-hmm. and you know the senator's son after all of this goes back to the villagers and says we will fix this i'm, I'm going to make things right yeah and there's this little moment between dooku and qui-gon to where it's it's a it's like poetry it rhymes uh to where dooku tells qui-gon he says you're a much wiser wiser jedi than i qui-gon jinn mm-hmm. and it's just a, a beautiful moment a great way to end the episode but man what are your thoughts on on dooku and how he he kind of how his character kind of goes along in mm. in this episode and even what qui-gon represents in this episode right so this this episode is really interesting and and i'm realizing kind of more and more that uh this episode in particular and really dooku's arc in tales of jedi is really kind of like an abbreviated version of dooku jedi lost (laughs) yes for those people who can't or haven't read that book you still get a picture of dooku becoming disenfranchised with the jedi order and mm-hmm. so look, going beyond the means that the Jedi take and right. uh, eventually going out of the order altogether. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting uh, based off of, so this, this information is becoming more influenced from the book uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Mm-hmm. But uh, you kind of get more of a hint that Dooku's pretty lonely at this uh, at this point, and yeah. so, and this is also based off of the whole arc, not just this one episode. Mm-hmm. But Qui Gon is kind of his only real companion, the only person that he really sees eye to eye with at this point. And right. Qui Gon is still fully committed to the light, fully committed mm-hmm. to what the Jedi stand for. Mm-hmm. Although 
in Phantom Menace, we'll learn that he's not necessarily focused on what the Jedi Council stands for. Right. But, um, so there's a very important closeness between Dooku and Qui-Gon here that Mm -hmm. is put on display because I think, like, so we can't say that, like, if Qui-Gon, like, Qui-Gon was the only person to bring Dooku back from the dark because, well, whenever he tried to, Dooku pushed him back. But in another sense, Qui-Gon was the only person who could bring him back from the dark because Qui-Gon knew to grab the son, to grab the prince, and bring him, like, in Dooku's Mm -hmm. sight. So he there's there's a strong mutual understanding there and uh yeah it's very good to see and kind of even more heartbreaking whenever the worst happens in the following episodes yeah so for i think you touched on that very well i think right now duke qui-gon is that person because what dooku is doing is that He's well-intentioned, mm-hmm. I think. He means well. And I think what what is what he's struggling with is how the Jedi and the Jedi Code keep him back from doing what he feels is the obvious path, the obvious mm-hmm. choice, the easier path, if you will, nice. to resolve a conflict or a situation. And Qui-Gon... In this episode, and and I think in Dooku's life, especially if you read Dooku Jedi Lost, is that Qui-Gon is that person who seems to be the tether that brings him back into the Order with his own optimism. And if you read Master and Apprentice, you see how Qui-Gon starts to be conflicted about that. Like what the conversation that he has with Dooku in Dooku Jedi Lost when he says, well, you know, why even become why why would i even become a jedi if if nothing matters if what we do doesn't matter or if what we do can't accomplish anything and and dooku kind of goes back and he says nope i'm not going to destroy your optimism like that it's just a tired old man just saying some things and he says i hope you never lose that so at this point qui-gon is kind of the the person that's kind of bringing him back and says no 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 the dark side is 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 calling to you and pulling to you. He doesn't say that specifically. Right. But but the dark side is calling him, but let me let me bring you back and know that that this is this isn't the only way. It, it's 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 the easier way, but it's not mm-hmm. the only way. Right. And so I think this is a beautiful a be- again, a beautiful telling of of Dooku going further and further into the dark side. And right now he has Qui-Gon to kind of hold him back from fully embracing it by fully going into it. Um, but anything else to add about, about this episode and what you enjoyed from it? Um, no, I think you covered it pretty well. And I, I was glad that, like, maybe it's the optimist in me, but I was glad that the prince was like, me or too. Not, I keep calling him a prince. He's a senator's son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the senator had like this huge that's true. crown thingy. It, yeah. It was weird. Anyways, I'm glad that the son was like a good guy in this one. Yeah. 
because I could definitely have seen it go the other way where mm-hmm. like he blames the people and so yeah things are less happy <laughs> right but um yeah so i like that it, but on to the next thing yeah so choices uh, this one features a mace windu who i was on another podcast talking through this and I can't remember what I said because they luckily the it, it's for the Republic podcast that that I was on. So shout out to to the boys there. Um, but I was talking with with Andrew and Connor, and they knew how I felt about Mace Windu, and so they just let me kind of talk about what I thought for a little bit. But I, I think my thoughts on him on this specific episode has changed. And so obviously this is a mission for Dooku and Windu mm-hmm. as they head to uh, Raxus uh, Secundus as they are invest they're, they're, they're supposed to be retrieving the body of Master uh, Katri as she was killed on the planet. And so they go with the senator and they listen to his account and Dooku is just not very... He he knows that there's more going on than what the Jedi are are wanting information for. Meaning this, right. they they want him to just go get the body, bring it back to the temple for a proper burial. And because they're not members of the council, Windu kind of reminds Dooku that they just they can't involve themselves in political skirmishes without the authority of the Jedi Council or the Galactic Senate. And Dooku, I think, very funnily responds that Dooku's faithfulness to the rules, it's inspiring, but also sometimes maddening. Yeah. And so as they head to the planet, as they learn about, about the deaths, uh, the questioning starts to happen, and Dooku keeps pressing. He's like, can you take me to where she was killed? And so they go to this location, and they start to inspect okay this doesn't seem right you said that that you know it was from a tree but there's no there's no blaster marks on your ship like why is that so then the senator runs in and says it was my guards or whatever he gets killed dooku and windu have this amazing like they, they really show why they're two two of some of the greatest uh warriors for the jedi if you can call them warriors even Ooh. at this time uh, but they're very good with lightsabers, and so they go and they they're able to to fend off the guards who are behind this entire entire plot. Um, and so, what happens is is that one of the brothers, Hanel, he dies, and his brother Samaj, he kind of lets it all out, like. You know, the senator, he was using his seat to become rich at the people's expense. And so we were trying to use him to pass things for our agenda to make Raxus a better place. And obviously can't condone that. But Dooku does say that some of the things that this guard had said had some valid points. Because Samaj also said that the Jedi Order 
were like lapdogs for the Senate. Mm -hmm. They claimed to keep peace, but they really just enforced the law and order for the rich and the powerful. And so Duke said, you know, I don't agree with the way that you did about things, but you make some good points. And I respect your right to defend your planet. And as long as you don't lose heart, your people won't either, because that's the only way to achieve victory. And so just a, a really crazy and weird scene to me kind of sounded like, hey, I'm getting ready to form a separatist movement whatever, <laughs> and kind of deal. And which is funny because Raxus does become yeah. a planet uh, that works with the Confederacy. And but we have this really kind of ending scene to where all of this is done. Not necessarily against the council's wishes, but but they all well, they weren't giving clearance to do this either. Mm -hmm. And instead of just retrieving a body, now they have a dead senator and along with the dead Jedi and, and just kind of a, a world left in shambles in some, in some aspects. And so they come back, they have their funeral. We find out that Windu was given a council seat for, because Master Katari was, was a, a member of the high council. And so Windu gets his seat. Dooku is upset about this because he said, did you know about, about this before I left? And that's why you didn't go above and beyond because you didn't want to jeopardize your seat. And Windu is just like, you know, I did as the order, as the order requested. You're the one who went out and did all these things. So if I got the council seat, guess it is what it is. Um, and and I think Dooku and Windu's relationship at that moment changes. Yeah, because uh, Dooku feels like he was betrayed for for a seat. Yeah, um, and and again instead instead of uh, pursuing justice and the truth, mm -hmm. he's chasing somebody else. But your thoughts on on that specifically, and also your thoughts on on this episode. So it goes back into what I was saying about kind of Dooku feeling alone because i mean we don't mm -hmm. see dooku with qui-gon at this point exactly so right. presumably qui-gon is off doing his own jedi things he's not a padawan anymore he mm -hmm. is um doing his own missions for the council and right. so dooku and there's almost like at the beginning of it there's almost this sense of could this pairing between dooku and uh windu work out because mm -hmm. like you said at the beginning he says that Windu's adherence to the rules is inspiring but maddening. And mm -hmm. it it's the question of which one's going to win out, right? Are they yeah. is he going to stay like inspiring and, and they're going to become closer and Dooku's not going to have or Dooku's not going to be alone but have support instead? Or is mm -hmm. it going to be maddening and Dooku and Windu are just going to be pushed away and it's by mm -hmm. the end so like throughout the mission whenever they work together and get things figured out mm -hmm. there's like this hint that maybe it will work out but then at the end whenever Windu gets the council seat it just like shatters any possibility of like resolution between the two mm -hmm. and so they just get kind of repelled from each other yeah um, with I'm wondering with that uh, I have an opinion on this, but I want to see what you have to say. Do you think Mace knew about that beforehand? Um, initially, I did. 
And um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. Uh, I mean, there's definitely accusations of that. Um, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if he did, did or not. And I think it, it would be weird. So here, and this might be a, a rare case. I'm going to defend Windu a little okay. bit, uh, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm going to defend him a little bit. Um, what was Windu supposed to do? I mean, other than other than tell Dooku flat out, "Hey, this mission's going to determine which which one of the two of us is going to get a council seat." That could have really damaged the mission even even further, I think, uh, because. Dooku might have his whole demeanor and attitude could have could have changed. And so I don't know if that was the best approach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Windu could have just came out and said, well, no, we're gonna do exactly as a council instructed because we're both up for the council seat. No, I don't I don't think he would do that. But I, I do think though, I don't know if Windu would have go- gone above and beyond anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like, think I he would have. I think he would have done what the council instructed, and nothing beyond that. And Even nothing though, like beyond that, after he like first talked with that senator, he was like, "Okay, he's hiding something, but we're not going to do anything." We're, he about said, it. "We're going." He said, "We're going to go back to the council, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out what to do from there." And so, I don't know if he knew or if he knew it beforehand. But even if he did, um, how is he supposed to bring that up? Right, right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I guess, expect him to. Well, I don't know. I think that there. It, it, it's is... really. I think if you think that he should have, or you think that even before they even landed, he should have said something. Like, if that's what you think, like, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bash you for that necessarily. I. Yeah. I just think, to me, it, it would. From, I don't know if I would have mentioned anything, but that could be a little bit selfish of wanting I, that council seat. And I think I don't. I guess that might be something because you're not the first one to kind of talk about this. I think several people have made that point and asked that question. Um, does that make Windu selfish in this moment, or or what? I don't. I don't. I mean, okay. So here's, I guess, a couple of things that I think. Mace is at this point. I don't know if he's selfish, but <laughs> right. like he's not like other Jedi who are would have been close to Dooku. For example, mm-hmm. if the council spot had been offered to Qui-Gon instead of Dooku, I think Qui-Gon would have tell would have told Dooku and would have said mm-hmm. it in a better way than Mace Windu ever could have. Yes. That's one thing. I agree with that a hundred percent. The other thing is, um, I'm. I think Mace Windu. Maybe he didn't know know for sure, but considering, like, his stance within the order and his closeness to the council to begin with, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he probably would have at least heard the rumblings about. Or would have made an inference about like, okay, so this master from the Jedi Council is gone now. And so we need Mm -hmm. to replace the seat. Who else is going to do it but me? I think, uh, so I think Mace might have that understanding. Mm -hmm. 
And Dooku might have a similar understanding, although you don't really get a hint of it. But um, mm-hmm. just kind of like based off of his seniority, with with you get you get that hint kind of at the end of the episode of right. like yeah. why why you over me? I'm your like I'm older than you. I have more experience than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I think I think Mace did know. And I think, or if he didn't know, then he had a strong inference that it would happen. Whereas Dooku, I don't think he was thinking about that at all. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess another way of kind of thinking about this is like Mace Windu sort of like a career politician in this case. Like he mm-hmm. is like gunning for that seat. Whereas Dooku's just like trying to stay a Jedi at this point. Yeah. But. I think it's interesting about how Windu he says, you know, I'm I'm all about serving the Jedi Order and the Republic and not serving my own ego. Mm. Yeah. And like Dooku kind of represents, you know, I'm offended. And Windu's just like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I just I just don't have a care really about it. My my I have my orders and I have my, and I'm going to follow what the council's, what the council's will is. Um, and so I don't necessarily, I, I can't necessarily knock him for that because that's mm-hmm. who his character is. This is not out of character for Mace Windu at no, all to do exactly so. what the Jedi order tells him to. And also to kind of be not great with people in terms no. of explaining anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. And a, and a nice, yeah. doesn't explain things well, doesn't handle situations well. That's been well documented on this podcast already. Um, but again, it, it's, it's another, and, and again, and people will say this is really attacking Windu's character. And I've heard some people say like, even with the Clone Wars, like this just isn't how Mace Windu is. And I was like, you That's can ludicrous. get that exactly you can how get you... that from, from Attack of the Clones and Revenge uh-huh. of the Sith. And I get it, the novelization of Revenge of the Sith. Anakin is not free from fault either, especially by apparently in the novelization, he says, you know, I'm gonna get your council seat, Windu. Um nice. N- not not gonna not going to defend Anakin on that either. I'm not saying anything like that, but Windu's just not, he's not always really great at communication and just, you know, loving with people in a gentle kind of gracious way. Um, that's his character. That, yeah. That's kind of just who he is. Um, but kind of moving on to the next and final episode in Dooku's arc is Sith Lords. So, so much stuff happens in this one. Mm-hmm. So we have Dooku. We see the scene of him deleting Kamino off of the Jedi archives. We see Dooku and uh, Jocasta New talking, and it, it's happening during the Phantom Menace, which makes mm-hmm. it even crazier that all of this is happening because Qui-Gon just came back from Tatooine where he encountered a Sith Lord, allegedly. The whole order is kind of like up, they stirred up because of it. Most of the people, most people don't believe him because, mm-hmm. you know, there haven't been Sith for a thousand years. And Qui-Gon's always had a creative imagination, just like you, Dooku, which is Dooku, I think, says it very well. You know, it's just it's less revered in these great halls. Like, yeah. And 
but we get the scene with a Phantom Menace Dooku and a and at this time, so here's the thing, and I'll say this up front. Like when I initially saw this episode, I thought this contradicted Dooku Jedi Lost. I, I did. I I'll be honest about that and I'll I'll admit to it that I was wrong. When I first saw this, I thought that Dooku was still part of of the order because everyone was calling him master. Uh, and he still had his lightsaber. He didn't look that different at all. All these different kinds of things. So I thought that he was still part of the order. And in Dooku Jedi Lost, he had already left the order, like mm-hmm. well in advance, because of Master and Apprentice as well, where you know it's years before Phantom Menace, and Dooku had already left. So I thought that. But then you know Calvin Scott came out and he said, "No, no, no. This this isn't what it is. You know, people still called him Master to to." because it was out of respect for him and his service to the order. And he visited from time to time because, you know, he was a politician in some sense of the word. Like he, Mm -hmm. he was still around and he may not be a Jedi anymore, but he still had great respect for people in the order. Um, But we see this scene with Dooku and Jin and also with, with Yaddle who was voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I love that so much. And so we see this scene to where Dooku tells Qui-Gon, be careful. If there is a Sith Lord out there, I'm not here to protect you. To where Qui-Gon Jinn, voiced by Liam Neeson, says, you know, you d- that's not your job anymore. That's why Obi-Wan is here. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, your, I, I can't wait to meet him. You're always singing his praises. Just a really, really good, good scene. And what I loved about this episode specifically is that it just kept, time had passed. Things had kept going. So Qui-Gon obviously dies on Naboo to Darth Maul's blade. And we get to see just a scene of Dooku mourning that. And it's beautiful imagery of as the sky gets darker, as just the pull of the dark side, now that Qui-Gon is is gone. He isn't that tether to the Jedi anymore for Dooku. The dark side is consuming him. Mm-hmm. And you have this just beautiful moment of of hearing a little bit about Qui-Gon Jinn, Dooku's thoughts of him as a, as a friend, as a fellow former Jedi, But it's he's completely pushed to the edge. And Yaddle is a part of this entire story of mm-hmm. checking in on Dooku, making sure he's okay. And Dooku travels to the works, which if you play Star Wars The Old Republic, you go to the works in Star Wars. And I, I guess I never knew that it was called the works uh, section of, of the planet. Um, but Dooku goes there, obviously, to see... Darth Sidious, where he says, "Why did you kill Qui Gon? Like we could have, he could have been a powerful ally. I've done all these things leading up to you, and this is what you do. Like, do you not trust me, or this and this and that?" And Darth Sidious is just like, "I know, I don't, I don't. <laughs> why, why would I? Why, why would I trust you? You haven't done anything of real significance." Well, Yaddle, who's spying on this, and finally comes out, confronts Dooku, and says, "You need to. This needs to end. Come back." Whatever you've done, whatever 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 choices you've made, you can still come back from this. And Dooku fully gives in, 
they have a fight. It's awesome. It's amazing to see. But Dooku defeats Yaddle and kills her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's different from her legend's death, which was during like I think maybe right as the Clone Wars was starting to where she sacrifices herself um, for the people of the planet and for Anakin and Obi-Wan. So this is this is a change, obviously, in, in it, but I think it's done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I loved how they did it. And it's it's still a tragedy to see. But what are your thoughts on this episode, Sith Lords? You know, it's it it does give me the chills a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, there's one thing that I really like about this episode that we also see in one of the Ahsoka episodes mm-hmm. is that uh, you get to see, like, there, there's these time jumps that I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's almost imperceptible at first, but then, like, you start noticing that things are different. And mm-hmm. uh, I think this is a very artistic way of telling a story. But, I think so too. Uh, it is like it is. It is very tragic, and and mm-hmm. I think that the tragedy is kind of underscored um, by like I think the thing that really puts Dooku over the edge, like into the darkness, is mm-hmm. that um, in their fight, Yaddle mentions like Qui Gon's death, which I think is a big mistake for her. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's at that point that he is reminded just how like alone he really is right um even though he's like with the who's calling him back to the light um mm-hmm. he's reminded of like this tragedy of qui-gon's death and i think that fuels him into the darkness like way more mm-hmm. yeah i i agree yaddle tried her best and and the whole point of I think her being in the story is to say, well, one because we don't get enough Yaddle mm-hmm. ever. Um, she wasn't in in the Clone Wars at all, which now it makes sense why she isn't in the yeah. Clone Wars. Um, she's supposedly in the High Republic, but we haven't really seen her be in full effect or in mm-hmm. any action really. Even in the comics, I don't think we we have. But so I think she was great to use here. But I think the whole point was that. She's not Qui-Gon. No one's going to be Qui-Gon. And what we're going to see, even in the Attack of the Clones, even Obi-Wan can't be a stand-in for, mm-hmm. for Qui-Gon. And so this loss affects Dooku a lot. And in a way that even when I was... Like, if you look at the character of Count Dooku, mm-hmm. he really shouldn't be close to anybody. Yeah. Just, he, he, he's set apart. He, he's, he's different. He's royalty. You know, and but Qui-Gon is always able to do what seems impossible, able to to accomplish missions in a way that the order doesn't approve of. But I think truly is the way that the Jedi should be to some extent. And we can have that conversation at, at another date, but then is able also to connect with people who other Jedi can't even mm-hmm. Dooku being one of them. And so to kind of see this play out is true. It's, it's, it's truly tragic. Like you said, um, but man, was it good. And I enjoyed all, all of these mm-hmm. episodes and for, in, in spe- specifically talking about Dooku, 
Like, I think this arc, especially for people who haven't read, can't read Dooku Jedi Lost, this is a really good kind of substitute for it if you're unable to. But if you can, I would urge you, if, if, it's, if mm-hmm. it's possible at all, pick up Dooku Jedi Lost, listen to the audiobook because uh, it is like an audio drama, you know, rent it out because I think it's, it's, it's a great story and I think it also helps enhance the significance of these episodes. Yeah. And it's done, it's done so, so well. But now we're going to go ahead and jump to uh, the Ahsoka arcs, uh, Ahsoka's arc um, as we start with life and death. And I really don't have much to say about this one this Mm -hmm. one was i think simple and to the point and i enjoyed it a lot it was my second favorite episode uh in this um it it just simply tells a story of ahsoka discovering that she is force sensitive us getting to see her home world and and where she you know where she was she was born and raised for a little bit for for a little while Mm -hmm. um we have this amazing scene with her and this kind of tiger-like creature, um, her being able to, to use the force to commune with it and all this kinds of stuff. Uh, and just, again, just really simple. There's only one thing, one thing that I would, would have loved to be in it, but I'm okay with it. Not, it just, it would be a, a, a bonus for me. And we've already talked about him once already in this episode, oh, yeah. but I would have loved to see Plo Koon, come in and there's a drawing drawing that dave filoni has that he wrote on a napkin of ahsoka and plo Koon meeting for for the first time would have loved that as mm-hmm. the ending i understand why they didn't because that's not the focus but i thought it would just been cool but what are your quick thoughts on on this episode so yeah kind of like you said this one's pretty i guess simple in the material that it covers uh i I do like this episode but it's probably Mm -hmm. one of the weaker ones in this for me or at least Mm -hmm. it's not weak then it's not it's not really near my favorites right Uh, there's a lot of good things in this episode uh, but i think it is pretty uh straightforward and i i kind of I don't know. It's there's only so much you, you story you can build with a one year old uh, baby <laughs> and her family that pretty soon she's never gonna see again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, I agree. I I will say though, because uh, this technically this was the first episode in order for tales of the jedi um they do in kind of weird way they put this one first and then we did all three episodes of dooku's story Mm -hmm. and then we finish up with the two ahsoka ones so i'm wondering if this episode just served to kind of ease us in into this thing and maybe again it's just something that dave wanted to do of saying i just want to show this this quick little story of of how i envisioned ahsoka and her family and her her people discovering that she was force sensitive because if you really think about it this is like how how do people discover right that a child is force sensitive uh i think it's significant for that reason um but you're right it's just it's one of the just not not super eventful episodes Mm -hmm. that that we have going 
Uh, I will say that uh, I think probably the biggest benefit that this episode gives uh, to the whole series mm-hmm. is its theme and even its title of life and death. So yeah. I, I think it's not by accident that we're seeing both Dooku and Ahsoka uh, in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're being put together specifically in like a compare and contrast sort of way. I, I think so too. I agree. Yeah. And so yeah. when you start off the season with life and death and um, I, I mean, you could apply that to, well, Dooku has difficulty with the Jedi order and it leads to death and Ahsoka has difficulty with the Jedi order, but it leads, and to, it life. leads to light. Yep. Love or, that comparison. Or you could, I, I think it's, it's really more, pushing that kind of gray idea um, because the Jedi, you know, they focus on life and death Mm -hmm. is normally associated with the darkness. And so um, you have uh, Dooku and Ahsoka both faced with both. They're both faced with life and death. Mm -hmm. And one of them gives into the death and the other one, um, initially like loses some hope but then comes back and yes back to the light yeah yeah absolutely agree and so as we jump into the next uh, episode practice makes perfect this one was my favorite ahsoka episode it it tells a really beautiful story of anakin just really having higher expectations of himself as a master and ahsoka as his apprentice and because she's she's going through and doing going through this kind of practice session that every a lot of top tier jedi come to um just to kind of and we get to see obi-wan in his clone wars uniform but with similarities of his like attack of the clones hair which is awesome for me and some people ask the question of well, how does that work? Like, like we we because in, in Brotherhood, in the book Brotherhood, we see Qui-Gon or Qui-Gon, we see Obi-Wan cut his hair and then get like kind of the Clone Wars armor. So he was like, How does that work? Here's a beauty about where Star Wars animation has gone, and it's a beautiful thing. Now they have a budget, they can kind of take those uh they can take the liberties and the creativity to help the story make sense because guess what Qui-Gon or why do I keep saying Qui-Gon I just have Qui-Gon on the mind but Obi-Wan's hair and every every Jedi's hair doesn't stay the same the entire time it's not like a video game to where like the hair doesn't change nothing ever changes like it obviously changes over time Uh, I love the also the change to Ahsoka's attire she Mm -hmm. no longer has kind of the tube top uh outfit on because i i hated that i thought it was <laughs> i thought it was so weird that that yeah. that's what you put on a 14 year old girl but they change it um to something that looks great like i, yeah. I love it uh, i think it's nice it's simple uh and, and it's good but they go through this kind of training session ahsoka does extremely extremely well um and anakin's just like i'm not really impressed because you're finding gets you know training droids and i want to train you for the best of the best because what if your life depends on it 
So he has her go up against the 501st. Yeah. And at the beginning, she doesn't do well. Doesn't even last five seconds. Uh, One of my favorite things, which is a little bit sad too, is, you know, Jess kind of hits you pretty hard. And Jess says, sorry, Commander. (laughs) And, and, but it's sad because we know Jet, Jesse, not Jess. Jesse is the one who kind of enacts Order 66 on Ahsoka and Rex in the hangar, mm-hmm. which, again, you were talking about going through time. And, and, and we, we see at first she gets knocked down pretty quickly. Then we next see uh, her last about five minutes. And then we fast forward to Order 66 Season 7, Clone Wars. And it's it's beautifully, beautifully done throughout. Um, it it's just good. It, yeah. it it's it's a great episode because I, I love I love the time jumps. I love seeing the development. I, I love seeing this kind of side of Anakin that maybe to an outsider's perspective in the moment seems like a harsh thing to do to your to your apprentice mm-hmm. but it ultimately saved her life yeah no other jedi had this kind of training no and the, and she, it it showed like in that yeah. most of them were defeated yeah. easily and it, it, again just just beautiful story cuz it like if you want to say and some people will. I don't think people have said this for a while, but maybe there's some people out there that says, you know, Ahsoka's just really overpowered. Like, how could she survive when no one else did and all these kinds of stuff? And But now you've told a story to where that 100% makes sense. Yeah, She's because, trained for this. Yeah, she her master essentially wanted her to be overpowered. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, her master, and I'm not saying Ahsoka is overpowered, but, uh, right. like, it was Anakin's focus that she mm-hmm. would be better than every other Jedi, mm-hmm. which makes you wonder, like, how things would have gone if the Council hadn't <laughs> turned yes. their backs on her. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and it kind of asks the question too of again wishful thinking: how amazing would it have been? for Anakin if Ahsoka would have not left the order. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. It, it, it's, not, it, it's not healthy to dwell on the past. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, this episode was really, really good. I enjoyed it so much. It, it's clo- I think it's, now, well, we'll save that. That'll be a question here in a second after we cover this final episode. Um, which is resolve. Luke, go ahead, talk talk through what you enjoyed about this episode, and then I'll go off on my why this is why I have a huge issue with this episode. All right. Well, uh, so in this episode, resolve, we see basically Ahsoka going through the same things that Kenobi went through. Uh, mm-hmm. So, kind of in between. The release of Clone Wars season seven and Tales of the Jedi, we have the release of Kenobi, and so mm-hmm. I think there's that parallel that's being drawn on purpose. 
-hmm. uh, but we start off with uh, Ahsoka is there at Padme's funeral, and it's it's really like touching and sad. Yes. Uh, yes. Like all over again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really but, is. But Bale is there, and he notices her and gives her a communicator and says, "Look, if you ever need anything, if you, whenever you're ready to." join the fight again contact me on here mm -hmm. and so we have a time jump and now ahsoka is just like on this random backwater planet like kenobi she's doing just like a simple labor job and uh like kenobi she gets caught and, and like all the in exile she gets caught because she uses her force powers to save somebody now in mm -hmm. this case um Nobody notices that she uses the force to save her except for the girl herself. And so she's thankful and very happy, but happy, but because of her like loose lips, uh, mm -hmm. her brother, who is a Imperial fanatic, uh, calls the uh, empire and says, look, there's a Jedi here. You have to come quickly. And so after a uh, trip where they go to sell some stuff, Ahsoka and the sister come back to their village to find it like burned down and there's a inquisitor who's like interrogating the brother who like was the person to tell them that there's a Jedi in the first place mm -hmm. and so uh, Ahsoka then uh, to save the brother from uh, this inquisitor reveals mm -hmm. that she is a Jedi, and really, she just destroys him too. Like, I don't know it, if you noticed this, but well, okay, so it's it's very similar to the scene with Kenobi and Maul in Rebels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to where it's just it's instant. Yeah, like there's, there's this kind of beauty in anticlimax, which yes is, is really nice. Mm -hmm. But um, so she handily defeats that Inquisitor. Um, and like uses her communicator to call bail and says look i'm ready to to join this i i can't mm -hmm. uh escape what i really am and mm -hmm. uh, then we we know like that I, it's a good way i i think covering in between uh, yes episode three slash uh season seven of clone wars and rebels like how mm -hmm. what she's doing in that time and how she gets into her full chrome kind of position right so so i guess i'll go ahead hey, this will not take me long uh, i've talked about this enough and i've kind of already gotten over it for the most part but this is my least favorite episode yeah uh, and it has nothing really to do with this with a specific story because I think the addition of Ahsoka at Padme's funeral hits on so many levels, mm -hmm. like the weight and the the impact of her of Bale asking her the question, like, "Why are you here? It's dangerous for you to be here." And Ahsoka to just look up and say, "She was my friend." Yeah. Like, and you and when I I've been rewatching the Clone Wars, and there's been several episodes to where like we think that Anakin cared a lot for Ahsoka Padme cared for Ahsoka in pretty much the same way, which makes sense because they're married, but like, 
but just to see both Anakin and Padme invested in Ahsoka so, so much and developed her as, as a, I mean, she was a kid becoming a woman mm-hmm. and for her to pay her, her respects like that totally makes sense. And I don't necessarily, again, I don't have a problem with, with the story. It, it's just EK Johnston's book, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm basically is telling this story in a lot more detail and this seems to take out characters it seems to tweak the story a bit and so for me it's a continuity issue yeah like trying to reconcile it and i think i've I've heard people and i've heard ashley Eckstein come out and say well you know I, i when when this when we were kind of making this episode, you know, I didn't ask about where it kind of fit in the continuity or, or whatnot, because essentially it's the outline of the book just in way, way less detail, um, which is what you can say for bad patch season one, episode one Mm -hmm. with the whole Caleb doom and Balaba and order 66, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just felt like this, and again, I'm not a huge fan of the Ahsoka novel. Um, I'm not a huge fan of E.K. Johnson's writing necessarily. I think her Padme books are really, really good. Mm -hmm. Just the Ahsoka one didn't hit for me, but it was really kind of sad to just see how that story was just kind of put on the shelf. Ashla, which was Ahsoka's name in the novel, was used, but it just wasn't... it wasn't the same and it didn't hit me correctly. Um, and it's happened too many times now to be a coincidence with Dave Filoni to where he just kind of doesn't put a lot of value in the novels of the characters. They, and, but, and, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm like confused. At. That's just right. some, because I'm like, well, these are his characters yeah. Both Kanan Jars and Ahsoka are his characters. So he can do what he wants. And he's normally so good about continuity in the first place. So Well, and, and the thing is is again, what adds to this is I read uh, A New Dawn, mm-hmm. which was a Kanan Jars and Hera Sandula book to kind of this half came out before I think even the show came out. And it was the first book, one of the first books after the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, Star Wars, whatever, you know? And in the book, at the end of it, is a message from Dave Filoni. And he talks about, you know, every story that's ever created, whether it's a TV show, book, movie, fits within the same canon now. Like, they're, they're all part of the canon. Nothing's being left out. And then to just come back to this and just see just real differences in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's sad to see. And so for that reason, it's it's not it's not my yeah. even in close to my favorites. Sure I, that's just, of it yeah. it, it kind of does a little bit, but but I'm not extremely upset about it to where I'm just gonna be like, this wasn't necessary because mm-hmm. Again, for the people who don't read the novels, this is it. This yeah. works for them. And that's how I've justified it to myself is just like, you know, this is 
really just a general outline of the Ahsoka book. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, like we lose characters, we lose important meanings and settings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's why it kind of takes a, a, mm -hmm. a hit for me. Yeah, I think that understanding it as the general outline and like summary, essentially, I think that's the only way that really makes the continuity issue work. Because mm -hmm. we know that there are a lot of details that we don't get in the kind of visual format, mm -hmm. um, just because you can't include everything. Everything, and yeah. So um, I think within canonicity, and if this might, um, I don't remember if this corresponds to what I said in our canonicity episode. We might have to go back and revisit it after this. Yeah, uh, but to me now the all the video format, whether it's the movies or the shows or mm -hmm. the animated series, um, they everything in them is true, but it's true as a general telling of the story. Like your, it's not its goal is not to capture every detail. And mm -hmm. I know this is what we said in the episode. So uh, it's the goal is not to say this is exactly what Obi Wan looks like, and mm -hmm. this is, and so Obi Ewan McGregor is one per one like Obi Wan. Mm -hmm. That's just not true because we're going to see Ewan McGregor grow old, and he's not going to turn into Ian uh, McGinnis. Ian. Alec Guinness. Alan I, I got Alan. I got him mixed up with Ian McCollum <laughs> for whatever okay. reason. Alec Guinness. <laughs> um, so we know that there are there has to be some degree of liberty taken in mm -hmm. the visual uh, Star Wars stories that we can allow some flexibility there as opposed to in the written material. So if the written yeah. material doesn't match up with everything in the visual material mm -hmm. that's because the visual material just isn't capable of holding everything right yeah well and i think uh, another huge thing that kind of goes with that and, and a good example of that is rogue one mm -hmm. and really any other film that has a novelization yeah there's details in the novelization that we don't get in the film Wh which one outweighs the other does right. one outweigh the other you know kind of conversation well, and and so we we start getting into the conversation and we probably will later on just about you know is should there be a, a tier system mm -hmm. within the canon uh you know just i don't well, know and i think one of the things that actually kind of makes this more strained is that in the novelizations generally the movie is released then the novelization comes out right, afterwards yeah. or like generally after people don't yeah, normally it's read shortly the book. afterwards yeah yeah people don't normally read the book before seeing the movie mm -hmm. um in this case it feels like something particularly bad is happening because the order is flipped like these things have yeah. already been written about ahsoka so whenever we don't see them in the movie we feel bummed, or not in the movie, but in the, in the, episode, in the episode, yeah. Then we feel bummed, but we don't like do the same thing with Rogue One, where we're like, 
we watch the movie, then we read the book, and we're like, well, where no, was this all was that? In, yeah, 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 um, I, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So the canonicity order, like I think our default canonicity, just kind of as people, is to say that whatever comes out first is the mm-hmm. higher resource. But I yeah. think, like, or whatever, well. Yeah, is the is whatever comes out first is the original resource, and then the elaboration mm-hmm. comes later. Um, here we have the opposite thing. So, mm-hmm. cr- like, the time that something is released doesn't necessarily play into its canonicity. That's all right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I I heard someone say it this way, and then we we can leave it. We can leave it here. But another way, and I can get your thoughts on this. Another way someone has has kind of helped me kind of view this is you know this is called tales of the jedi it's not necessarily in the person's the the character's point of view Mm -hmm. it could be like a historian is is taking these stories into account they don't have every single detail of Mm -hmm. the story they just have some of them and so this again it goes with the mythology of star wars it's a retelling of the event not the event itself right um yeah no i i think that agrees generally with what we've said for canonicity Mm -hmm. um already and uh i I do like it as it kind of i'll it almost places it in this like stepladder between like right the material that's just been utterly banned so fan fiction the legends material which has Mm -hmm. some true things in it and then Mm -hmm. there's this like tales of material which Mm -hmm. i think you could put so like tales of the jedi would be on the higher tier of this area and then Mm -hmm. i would even slip in this might be (laughs) a little bit uh dicey for some people but i would slip in some of the lego star wars movies because there are (laughs) there are things in there that isn't for the sake of a gag isn't for the sake of anything it's telling a story and it's telling a story that you don't see in the sequel so mainly what i'm referring to here the most important detail that i'm referring to here is that ray is training finn in those movies yes and i think that does happen and so i think it's on the like the lower scale of this like tales of right uh section and then you have the books and the movies yeah yeah absolutely agree well before we take off before we depart luke what was your favorite episode for tales of the jedi Ooh, it's a very good question um it was probably Man, I keep going back and forth. Uh, I'll just go with what my gut says, and it's the Dooku and episode. Um, just, I always love to see those two paired together, and it's it's kind of I don't know. It helps better seal the understanding of Qui-Gon that I've had for yes. a while, which yes. is that he's one of the greatest Jedi that there has ever been there. I've ever mm-hmm. been. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. He, he's up there. Yeah. For sure. And I feel I, like originally, sorry, uh, no, originally with the prequels, people don't necessarily know that or they, <laughs> right. Like, 
They're like, ah, I like Liam Neeson, but I don't know about his character Qui-Gon. It's like here mm-hmm. it's like clear. Qui-Gon is like yeah. the real deal. Yeah. I think a true testament to Qui-Gon's character is again, my wife hates Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But she loved Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And as soon as he <laughs> as soon as he died, she was done. She was done. She was done. She was done with Star Wars after that. Um, I, I, to me, that's a, a testament to the character. Mm-hmm. Really, is that non-Star Wars fans can really quickly can gravitate towards that character because of just how great he is. Mm-hmm. My favorite episode was "Practice Makes Perfect." I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I, I love. Um, the fact that Anakin is in it, the yeah. fact that the clones are in it, and that Ahsoka just she develops so much in this episode. We get to see Obi Wan in this one as well. A, 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 just a beautiful moment between the two. And I'm saying like, "You're right on time." I'm late. <laughs> That's what I meant. You know. <laughs> just, did you notice that uh, Caleb Doom was also there? I did notice he was in there. Um, don't know why he's so white. Uh, <laughs> well people are white or whatever they're children <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> oh, no. um but but either way uh yeah i love i loved seeing seeing him again kanan jar is just such a great character eventually one of these days we're gonna have like a full episode on on rebels or hopefully several okay. episodes on rebels because uh, i think that would be great um but last question before we take off what stories would you like to see next so, in tales of the jedi so we've already talked about Plo Koon. Um, yes. Definitely like all aboard that. Let's do it. Um, apart from Plo Koon, I don't know. We could see like a little bit more. So kind of in the same vein as Dooku, uh, Jedi Lost, as we were talking about before. We could see more right. Rail Avaros. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Uh, but the, the thing is like if a subsequent series is or season is going to be uh, kind of organized in this way where the Jedi to each other. Mm-hmm. I guess, first off, you have to know what's the story that you're going to tell about Plo Koon. Um, yes. Because yeah. that's going to dictate who you pair him with, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would mainly say Plo Koon. What were you going to say? So here's my pitch. And it's the only one I'll give because, I mean, well, no, I'll probably give all of them because I'll probably get excited here in a second. But the initial one that I had first was Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and Ray Skywalker. Oh, yeah. The idea of them both building up their Jedi orders uh, would be fantastic. Uh, would love to see Ray Skywalker in Clone Wars animation. Mm-hmm. And I think someone has done that. I'll send you a picture of it. Uh, it looks absolutely incredible and makes me super excited about it. I think you can tell a story of Luke building his Jedi Order and Rey building her Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, at this point, guys, it's been four years. If you don't like the sequel trilogy, I'm sorry. You don't like the sequel trilogy. But I want more post-sequel trilogy material. Yeah. It's yeah. time. It, it is absolutely time for it. And so so I would love that to see more of those stories. Um I would love to see um, even us visiting the High Republic era and maybe oh, yeah. even the Old Republic with Revan and and those kinds of things and, and how to pair those. I'm not sure about that quite yet. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can find a way to do it, would love to see 
see that happen and, and accomplish that because again, this opens up just a, a realm of possibilities. You can do whatever you want with this with this project well and i was about to say i think that this format is going to would be one of the best places to put kind of normally your old republic stuff in it mm -hmm. because well not necessarily that they would reuse these assets but they've already made things for like old republic era in the clone war style like mm -hmm. there's a there's the completed bane that you see and then there's also the incomplete, um, but you see it Revan. on YouTube every now and then in your recommendations, the Revan mask. Uh, so like they're already like so close to there. And I think mm -hmm. uh, the animated format would probably be better for all the kind of things that go on in really both uh, Old Republic era and the High Republic era. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that would be super, super exciting just to see all of that, all of that take place. But that's going to do it for us here on the Star Wars Historian Show, talking through Tales of the Jedi. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version on a podcast, make sure to subscribe, uh, leave a review as it helps us kind of grow our podcast out there. Uh, and if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to like, share and subscribe and stay tuned for more Star Wars content from the Star Wars historians. But until next time, may the force be with you.